Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnified Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And Slick Shoes, are you crazy? I'm I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And today we we're doing we're doing something different every week, it seems. You know, last week we had my brother on to uh-huh. talk about uh, proof that the youth are revolting and that wasn't really an interview and he was just kind of hanging out right this week we have shadow producer jason from unoriginal vinyl joining us <laughs> last minute <laughs> what what that's a good coughing intro hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a solid solid um cough to alert the listeners to your existence um courtesy of the blue door in midland texas thank you old fashions for a happy hour four dollars in old fashioned. a four dollar old fashioned. that is quite a deal correct yes well um midland texas i don't want jason to be the only one drinking so uh john i don't know if you've cracked open your i was waiting bro yeah so I've got a Surly Brewing Rocket Surgery Hazy Ale. Sounds lovely. Ooh, yeah, it is lovely. Um, what do you got, bro? I have a uh, Spotted Cow from New Glarus. Oh, New Glarus. Wisconsin Brewery. Shout out to Jason's uh, homeland. That's right. I am a Kenosha, Wisconsin, after all. Yeah. Well... What I like about New Glarus is their emphasis, their like legitimate emphasis on local. They're not one of those, they're, they're, if you want to get a New Glarus beer, you have to drive to Wisconsin yep. and go to like, I don't know, any gas station really. Right. And pick up some Moon Man or some Spotted Cow or mm-hmm. um you know, but Moon Man is probably is probably my favorite of theirs. But yeah, they do some cool, uh, like special seasonal things sometimes, like yeah. some uh, nice fruity wine things too. But I usually think of them as like a package deal with cheese curds at a gas station. <laughs> yeah. You're picking up some some spotted cow and yes. some road snacks. So that's right, Mars cheese, Mars yeah. cheese castle. It's the there place to be. <laughs> Um, so New Glarus, feel free to, where are they, uh, where are they from? <laughs> uh, New Glarus, Wisconsin, I believe that's a place, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Right. Yeah. I think it it's is. near like, uh, I don't know, Baraboo, <laughs> Madison, <laughs> somewhere. I think you're just making shit up now. <laughs> <laughs> Baraboo is where my dad is from. So I spent a lot of time there. Oh, I did not. I did not know that. You learned something new every podcast. That's what I always say. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Jason, uh, I my intro there was a shout to you and Unoriginal Vinyl. Yeah. The latest uh, Unoriginal Vinyl releases with 
rusty burnout and wake up screaming from slick shoes and now slick shoes is going to be playing with uh mxpx and bad cop bad cop Ooh, so it's like your dream lineup i know man uh it's it i really want to go but why do all the shows need to be so far from where i am <laughs> yeah that one's you know, pretty far orlando atlanta and you know salt lake city and I don't know, man, there's, yeah. um, I wouldn't say this about any other record that I've like a lot of the bands that I adored growing up, bouncing souls, descendants, uh, less than Jake and, and some, some not really five on frenzy or MXPX, but when a new record comes out from a band and they're recording new songs and things like that, I, I really sort of approach those things. Strung out was one of my favorite bands in the nineties. Right. Suburban teenage wasteland blues is still in my top five. It's an amazing of all record. time. And when a new record like Strung Out, when new Strung Out comes out, I sort of approach it with caution and a little bit of trepidation because I worry that things like Jason Cruz's voice are completely battered by the wind and years of just thrashing. And I can promise you this, the new Slick Shoes record, which I've heard in its entirety, is such a banger, it will blow your mind out of your skull. <laughs> I've heard the solos, I've heard the shredding. Yeah. It's coming out in like the middle of the summer. Oh my word, this thing is gonna just absolutely uh, defy expectations. Well, and that I'm thrilled about. And part of the game plan of doing these reissues for vinyl was all built around getting some hype for the band to release a new record. Right. Well, I think it's been successful so far. I mean, this is already, this, this is going to be a year for Slick Shoes for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, with their live album coming out, not, you know, not that long ago as well. Um, but if, if I am to take you at your word um, and as somebody who, you know, you heard the MXPX uh, self-titled record um, before we did and and you kind of told you know hyped it up quite a bit and and uh, and they delivered you were, right. yep. <laughs> you were and you were right so I and I mean as the bigger uh, between me and John be, me being the bigger of the two slick shoes fans yep. um, I I am super I am super excited. It's kind of a coin flip, you know? You never know if a band comes back from the ether, whether right. or not they're going to be able to deliver, especially when it's the original lineup, like these guys are. The first lineup of the band ever recorded this new record with Steve Kravak and MXPX. And yeah. oh my word, uh, everything that they send me, uh, just sort of pre-production stuff and middle of production stuff and post-production stuff, I'm just going, this is impossible for any punk guitarist or anybody in the drums or anybody else vocally to think of stuff like this. It's only coming from Slick Shoes. So that makes me very excited. Sorry, and is this a Slick Shoes podcast? <laughs> yeah, this is, you know, this is um, our Slick Shoes podcast, Wake Up Potting. There you go. And we, I was like, I know we've come up with one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, but I, I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, give you a little bit of a give you a little bit of that plug because I know I know people we run in similar circles and and but I just want people to go check out at unoriginal vinyl and see some of the stuff that you've been putting out and yeah. I mean the projects that you choose and that you've been doing have been 
uh, and the stuff that you have in the works uh, just gets me super excited. Um, so, but let's move on to talking. Vinyl, yeah, vinyl, vinyl, vinyl is so small. It's such a small little segment and it's a fun thing to be able to satiate like 500 people out there. That's it. That's I mean, you need. well, I'm seeing 2,500 on your Instagram followers there. Um, but <laughs> oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> There's some really cool uh, uh, stories though that you've, you've been sharing, particularly about the Slick Shoes uh, reissue pressing. So everybody go check those out, as Andrew said. Yep. We do have some voicemails, but we ha- we have one from you, Jason. But <laughs> as long as you're actually here live on the pod, why don't you just tell us you 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 shared your thoughts about the quantity uh, record? So why don't you why don't you uh, kind of right. sh- share back um, your voicemail? Can you can you play can you play it first and then I'll explain? <laughs> yes, we're gonna get I a can. guest commentary on possible? the voicemail. It is very possible. Hey guys, I was listening to your commentary on Quantity is Job One, and I thought, yeah, these songs are really great, but they always felt like they would change styles or have sort of misappropriated styles. Uh, like I love the intro to One Girl Army; I think it's fantastic, but the break into the verse and the sort of uh, tempo that they changed to from the intro always aggravated me. I thought it was the wrong tempo entirely. And then with Go and Get Your Riot Gear, it was like a similar phenomenon. Like, I felt like the chorus of Go and Get Your Riot Gear should have been done in halftime, similar to the tempo of the verses in One Girl Army. And One Girl Army should have just kind of stayed a punk song. I think that, like, whenever... I heard that song live and he started rapping the verses for One Girl Army. I always felt like I got hit by a truck. Suddenly the tempo and the feel of the song became like a, like white boy rap, but I love the rest of the song. And Riot Gear should have just slowed down that chorus. Like go and get your Riot Gear with upstrokes would have been a thousand times more appropriate than whatever they did. So I always felt like that album had some tempo issues. What do you think? Jason, should we <laughs> respond first or? <laughs> please, yeah, please respond. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, so I can, I can understand your, your point, the, uh, especially the, the go and get your riot gear part that could have been a, I mean, I could have, I would understand if they did like, um, if they slowed it down and did like more upstrokes during the chorus and then maybe they did like a final fast version at the end or something to kind of like satisfy both of those like because otherwise a song about going and getting your riot gear that's only kind of a slow chill kind of um, upstrokey kind of song i i feel like wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't satisfy me but i can understand the 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 hard the hard turn into a different tempo can be can come out of left field but i don't know they've they've never entirely bothered if, me. if they had if they had if they had kept the pre-chorus when he says you want riots 
get your mm. riot gear. Uh-huh. It probably wouldn't have had the same punch to keep to keep the same upstroke, slow jam kind of melody going with it. But the direction they turned into like double time just always felt a little bit forced. You know what I mean? I love the song, but that chorus feels just like it comes kind of a, at a, a little bit of a cost to the resonance of the rest of the song. It kind of takes away from uh, the purpose of the song, which is to kind of convey uh, an emotion. Yeah, I uh, I hear you, and I you know I think we said that EP is weird because it packs so much in, like musically lyrically with themes. Um, so I kind of like that. It's so like going for it. Um, but we, we talked a little bit about this, Jason, uh, off mic, but like all the hype is really where I feel like that complete shift from like <laughs> segments of songs, uh, completely takes hold. And it, it they kind of lose me with a lot of those. Cause I really feel like that's all over that album where it's like, Oh, I'm with you for this chorus, but the verse sounds completely different from that. And I don't know that that transition works as well for me on that record. So I don't know. Right. And and I can't sit and talk to uh, the whole commentary of the album like you guys are going to with your top five or whatever. But I will say that Giants is my favorite, my favorite song unequivocally from Interesting. Interesting. And Giants is literally like, is like a it's like a Devo song meets yeah. some sort of twisted Land of Misfits toys, <laughs> sick sort of uh, carnival circus music, yeah. and and I, that I, whole album, <laughs> all the hype, just get it's crazy. It gets into a place of just complete everybody is and their musical taste and influences is fair game, and so I think Quantity starts to open the door in Pandora's box to everybody's influences coming in. But all the hype is just a complete jambalaya. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that giants, uh, I was going to make a Tom Waits comparison. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That is 100% what I was going to, it was, it is a swordfish trombones, rain dogs era. um, Even like the vocals starting off it, it just sounds like, it sounds like a Tom Waits carnival song. Yeah, which is like the first time that I re-listened to it in prep for this episode. I was like, "Whoa, weird! I forgot about this. Not yeah. sure this does the trick." And then by the second time through, I was like, "This is kind of awesome." Like, yeah. I'm kind of into how weird it is. Right. That exposed the uh, the sort of um, five iron frenzy. Let's do four songs within a song, right? In a big way. Like, there's this epic ending to Giants that is huge and big and mean and uh sort of cynical about the world and that sort of sort of i guess shed its light a little bit in quantity as job one with some of those songs where they would shift gears very rapidly Mm -hmm. but uh this one felt like a big build to uh something like we're going to get into an entirely different genre within the same songs yeah and i like that but it didn't feel right right until they got it right Right. Going for it, going big, going theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, that's what I wanted to leave the voicemail about and talk to you guys about. You guys can continue on with the podcast, but I wanted to put that two cents in there because I really like all the hype that money can buy because it's a big ballsy uh, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks kind of album. And there was no rhyme or reason to it. 
Right. And it couldn't have come at really uh, a more perpendicular time to the rest of the ska genre. As you know, yeah. I like to do the ska historian type of thing. Yes. And seeing the year 2000 specifically as being the year that ska died, quote unquote, or the third uh-huh. wave of ska, when Mighty Mighty Boston's come out with Pay Attention and more or less, no doubt, completely abandons all things ska yeah. with Return of Saturn and uh, Real, Real Big Fish makes Why Do They Rock So Hard and Cheer Up kind of in that yeah. same time period, more or less. It's like ska is from an upstroke and a third wave ska perspective, it's gone. What is it going to give way to? Nobody knows yet. It's just starts over. It resets and five iron frenzy is like making carnival music and solidarity has like nine tempos. So what are we talking about here? Yeah. I, uh, I remember when we talked to you, uh, the first season for the first time, and we've talked about this since then too, but you said that Panic was your favorite MXPX album. And we were both kind of like, I don't know, really? And now like, I love Panic. And so I'm like, well, if I sit with all the hype for a while, maybe I will begin to feel the way that you do. Uh, but it's definitely jarring. <laughs> it's not my favorite record at all. I would say sure. Electric Boogaloo, without a doubt, unquestionably okay. is the best album for Five Iron Interesting. Interesting. It will always be. But I do, I do like that... Uh, all the hype was one of those moments where the band had to reset and lose their primary songwriter and say, what, what does this mean for us? Yeah. You know what I mean? You have a really bad Tom Jones cover in the middle of it. You have (laughs) really serious songs. You you have kind of a, an everyday new day knockoff. Right. Right. (laughs) uh, The last song. Yeah. But it doesn't have the same resonance because it changes tempos far too often. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't quite pack the same punch. And so you kind of have all these different things going at the same time. And I admire that about them, that they were not going, what will make us the most money, but what will be the most fulfilling for every individual band. I think honestly, every individual band member of the band Five Iron Frenzy wrote a song on all the hype that money can buy. Andrew wrote... Yep. and a mullet you know you can tell where micah wrote his parts and dennis wrote his parts i was telling uh john how uh when i first saw the song ugly day performed it was before reese and christy had broken up uh, they were engaged to be married and so they wrote this song called rhubarb pie and i saw them play at the columbine memorial concert for it was in 1999 they played at fiddler's green amphitheater and they played a full fundraiser for all of the victims of Columbine high school. And they debuted the song called rhubarb pie and Dennis sang it. And uh, this was before ugly day had sort of fully found its formation about a, a post breakup languishing song. And uh, I, everybody in that, it, what it spoke to was the fact that everybody in that album wrote a song <laughs> or some part of a yeah, song. Right? Interesting. Yeah. And the rhubarb pie is, um, is on one of the cheeses albums, I uh, believe. Right. Um, so we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was how it deb- debuted, though. That didn't debut as Ugly Day. It debuted as Rhubarb Pie. Fascinating. Yeah. Well. Anyways, you guys are the best. I love your <laughs> podcast. Consider this the longest voicemail you've ever had. <laughs> hey, man. If anybody's uh, going to do it, you you reserve that right. So Yeah. <laughs> I would love to, when I get home and have actual good Wi-Fi signal, talk with you guys about the last Five Iron show ever. 
which Ooh. I was at in attendance through a blizzard. And yes. uh, let's get back on the mic and, and I'll have good Wi-Fi. But you guys are the best. <laughs> we Magpod for life. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we'll do this. We'll do this record with you. You talked cool. about wanting to do that record. So we'll talk about that with you sometime. Yeah, man. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. In the meantime, have fun with this this silliness. <laughs> what a great record to talk it, about. It will be fun to talk to. All right, man. All right, guys. See ya. Talk, talk to you soon. Peace. Bye. Bye. All right. We do other voicemails? Yeah, we have some other voicemails. Um, let's go to another Jason because um, we, this is a Jason who's – he's an OG MagPod fan. Uh-huh. What's up, guys? This is Jason Ariano. Uh, I'm the one that's been uh, tweeting you guys the uh, the ska memes each week um, <laughs> and enjoying the Five Iron Frenzy version of the show. I was there for all your MXTX ones. I had a different Instagram and Twitter back then. Um, we did keep in touch through there. Shout out to OG Magpod listeners from the beginning. Yeah, he's one of the first. I think he's one of the first people who ever sent us an email at, at uh, our magnifiedpod at gmail.com. Thanks, buddy. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, one thing I really guys I really like about your guys' new uh, ways doing things is your uh, your five on the what's going off time and during the nineties. Um, one thing you guys I can't believe you haven't mentioned is the golden era of professional wrestling in the late nineties and early two thousands. <laughs> there was nothing better than WWF Raw. Going home every night and hearing Austin 316 go. Steve Austin saying, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. <laughs> and we had WCW, the NWO going on. I was a WWF guy. But hey, if you guys are going to talk about the late 90s or 2000s, you got to talk about good old professional wrestling. Keep up the good work, guys, and uh, see you around. Thanks, man. Yeah. So John, let's, let's talk about wrestling for a minute. Um, so I had some friends in high school that probably around actually this time around the year 2000 and 99 uh-huh. that were very much into, right. Um, you know, the NWO and, and, um, and raw and like, um, I remember seeing, people uh with the shirts that said raw is war uh Uh walking around school with those um it was never i i remember like i went to some like local like more local wrestling competitions like not like school wrestling but like you know wrestling you know kind of that's you know that that kind of theatrical Uh style of wrestling um because i had a buddy who was into it and it was never really super my scene but i was like it's like I don't know. I was like kind of at the fringe of it. Like, and, but did you ever get into, we have talked about this on the pod at some point. I don't remember. I think we talked about it with somebody. Um, but no, I would kind of checked out around like the ultimate wrestler days, (laughs) ultimate warrior. I mean, so like the late Uh, eighties or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was in my thriving mulleted (laughs) hair metal ultimate warrior just really spoke to me. So it was that like, you remember those wrestler buddies? Like I was going to bring, I was going to bring the, 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 uh, the, uh, yeah, they were, they were essentially a pillow. Right. Right. So that was like, that was when I was, I was really in, in that era. Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of missed out on the list. So, 
I don't know if you if you've watched the the documentary series The Toys That Made Us. I I have them saved on my queue, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm Bro, very you, eager you to. have you have the to, Ninja Turtles one in particular. Well, the Ninja Turtles one, but they do also have a professional wrestling one. Okay, and it's so it's watching these uh, watching these documentaries about the toys. If for those listening who've not or don't have Netflix, it's a documentary series, and each each season has like four episodes, and they mm-hmm. all t- touch on a particular toy line and how it um, how that toy line came to be and some of the ups and downs, the pitfalls, the struggles and the, the wins and some of the fails. And uh, it's super, super fascinating, but like they talk about Barbie, they talk about the Ninja Turtles, they talk about star Wars. Um, they talked about GI Joe, um, my little pony. Yeah. And, um, um, and the, one that they did this this season with the professional wrestling was like, man, it's even though I didn't really watch it or wasn't a huge fan, I still remember so many of the toys. Yeah, totally. And uh, and the commercials, and you know, it's and the commercial with like the kids being upstairs with those like uh-huh. like the I don't what I, they're not bash buddies. What were they called? Oh, what were the those like? The wrestle buddies. I, I think they were called wrestler buddies. I think yeah. that was the name. Yeah. And they're like, mom and dad were sitting downstairs while yeah, like the yeah, two yeah. boys were like <laughs> upstairs, like making all this noise. And then like the dad comes upstairs to like find out what's going on. And then, then he just like starts wrestling them with right, the, right. them too. Yeah. Good times. Good times. But yeah. Anyway. So um, yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about the, like, we have a lot of friends who are very into it, but we kind of missed the, uh, the main time there. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry to let um, you down, Jason. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Danny Stairs, he has a he has some something he wants to say to you, John. Hey guys, your boy Danny Stairs. I was just calling. Uh, I've been thinking about having some thoughtful thoughts that I think you guys <laughs> might want to think about. So, have John Potter give me a call. Bad pop for life. So, J- John, do you have any uh, have any thoughtful thoughts? Thoughtful this thoughts. Week? You know, I'll save my thoughtful thoughts for the. John Potter, Pod Fodder Corner. I don't want to. I want those okay. two segments to remain. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fair. I always uh, welcome thoughtful thoughts. Yep. Uh, Danny Leary has some Soul Fest thoughts. Thoughtful thoughts. Hey guys, it's uh, Danny. I'm Sadie Hawkinspod. I won't <laughs> leave all the contact information again this time. Get a bunch of booze. But I was calling because I just had this memory unlocked. And I hadn't thought about this in years. I got like so many like soul fest stories that maybe now they have a place that I can just start calling you Danny stair style and giving you all of these stories. But basically now that I have a place to give these care stories, this one got unlocked in my brain. When you start talking about the striper opening of the live album, I completely forgotten I'd done this, but <clears throat> I got obsessed with striper in like, 2003, like right around their first big reunion, I was just like, oh, Striper's getting back together. Let me start checking them out. And I started listening, and those, like, first three albums, like, I'm obsessed with, like, ironically, but not as ironically as, you know, I want to be able to admit. And then Soul Fest 2004, I went around with a Striper poster trying to get, like, every band I could to sign it. Unfortunately, I've lost it since then. 
which is really sad because I got the guy from Calibretto 13 who went on to do Harley Poe. I got him to sign it. I'm like, mm-hmm. that would be so awesome to still have that poster. He, like, circled their junk when he signed it and put, like, a happy face there. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're at a Christian festival, but he was already the, uh, you know, the, you know, he was already uh, setting his own boundaries. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, I'm probably going to run out of time soon. But anyway, <laughs> I remember that Roper played at 2004 mm. Soul Fest at, like, mm. one of the really small stages, like, with, like, less than 100 people. Like, it was, like, a cafe room. Uh, and so I requested that they play some striper, like a little like dorky asshole that I still was, even though I was probably almost 20 years old. I'm like, play striper. And then Reese tells this story, how he's like, I, how he saw striper play at Cornerstone. He was right off the side of the stage. And when they started playing, he wanted to cry, but he was afraid that he'd get beaten up by striper because they were metal. And everyone thought that was hilarious. And I completely forgotten this from pretty much the day I got Reese to tell that story on stage until the magic that is our newest podcast ever unlocked it. Anyway, <laughs> Magpod for life. Happy to be the uh, <laughs> the catalyst for unlocking <laughs> old S- memories. Old striper memories. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Did he have striper sign it? Was striper there? Maybe, maybe striper wasn't there. <laughs> Um, his his uh, his reference to Calibretto and mm-hmm. Harley Poe is going to be relevant later yeah. as well. Um, another, Danny Lear has some thoughts on our proof uh, on proof, brother. Hey, it's Danny again. Um, I had a couple things to add about proof that the youth are holding. What were they? Oh yeah. Okay. So. For Kingdom of the Dinosaurs, I remember that summer that they were recording the album. When they played the stage at Soulfest, mentioned in Soulfest again, but I guess this wouldn't have been when they recorded because, like I said, I missed the other set that they recorded. Uh, Reese had a joke before they played Kingdom, where he's like, "I was reading CCM magazine, and it said that uh, marching band music is going to be the next big thing." And I know that that's like a scripted joke he had because then, like, I was reading somebody else's post on the five iron boards at the time talking about him having said that it's some other thing. So I've always been kind of sad that that joke didn't make it onto the final version of the album because it's kind of like, I guess he was commenting about how swing music was starting to be the next big thing. That's what I always assumed even then. It's like, hey, first pop punk, then ska, then swing, now marching band music, and... Is that a world we want to live in where marching band music was the next big thing? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, the other thing is about Chris. Yeah, I always forget if it's Christine or Christy, whatever. The girl from his fiance from uh, Ugly Day. Day. That was like, I wasn't a big poster or anything on the Five One Frenzy message boards, but I would like go in and read them all the time. And that was like big doings at the time when his fiance left him. Like, all the, you know, in this micro, micro world of Five Iron fans at the time with no Twitter or anything, just specifically localized to their own message board. Like, mm-hmm. you know, girl fans were like talking about how they were praying for Reese and stuff. And, you know, it's nice because, you know, he's had his heart broken. So right. that's not totally, 
misbegotten to, to do that. But I'm just saying, like, fans were really upset for him at the time and stuff, and they were, like, crying, like, what's going on? You doing okay? And then, like, he was giving, like, little answers. I think it was maybe even, like, a post on their front page about, like, hey, Reese is doing fine or something, and there might be a song about it. I don't remember their exact thing. I just remember knowing about him breaking up with his fiance before that song came out. So then that song comes out and I'm like, oh, here's the song he's been talking about. Or here's the song that they hinted might exist. Anyway, um, I think that's all I was going to hit you with. I guess I can do some more Danny Stair style calls later. If I think of- <laughs> well, now we have a little bit more thanks to yeah. uh, Jason from an original vinyl. Yeah, the whole a little uh, bit more rhubarb pie backstory. Right, grafting it onto an existing song is pretty interesting. Right. Well, I kind of would get the impression that um, it was rhubarb pie was so probably so new at that point. Right. Might as well. We'll do one last uh, voicemail. <laughs> hey, it's Danny again. By the way, going all the way back to the beginning of this episode, and I thought about calling. And I forgot until now. R-rated movies, sneaking into R-rated movies, which is also like a topic from two weeks ago. I, the only experience I have with sneaking into R-rated movies is that me and some friends, it's been like, I lived in 96, so I was 14. We wanted to see a movie and hope it would have boobs in it. Like basically we were looking for like a movie with <laughs> sex scenes or something. But I don't think there was anything obviously like sexy in the theaters at the time. All we were able to plan to sneak into was Flirting with Disaster, the David O. Russell <laughs> early uh-huh. movie starring uh, Ben Stiller, right? Spoiler warning, there's not really anything <laughs> no. sexy in that movie, except like you see, I don't remember if it's Tia Leone or Patricia Arquette. I don't remember which one is his wife. But whichever one is his wife, you see some soft boot at some point. But she's also, like, just finishing breastfeeding, so there's that. And I was like, well, you know. But we all actually, I remember we enjoyed seeing the movie. Super hot. Like, we all, like, talked about the jokes and stuff, even though there wasn't really anything worth sneaking into for an R-rated movie as a 90s kid. Uh, what we had paid for was Sergeant Bilko starring <laughs> Steve, and Martin, Steve Martin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> then I have one other story about speaking to R-rated movies. In 99, I worked in a movie theater. So uh, I'm almost hey. 18 at that point, 17 or whatever. I just did the math before and I've already forgotten. Anyway, um, I was working at the, at the, at the off, at the, not the main concession stand, but the concession stand that's past the ticket taker, right? And there were some kids who had bought tickets to see, I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's a Chris O'Donnell film where he has to like find a wife in a certain amount of time or he loses his inheritance, like a romantic comedy. So they all bought tickets to that, but they all clearly wanted to sneak in to see the bone collector starring, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Morgan, Morgan Fairchild, Morgan Freeman. Fairchild. And Fairchild. I was standing there with this other kid and we did not care if they snuck into this movie, but they would like look at us and like look at the door. It's like, you're so obviously trying to see this already movie. <laughs> and we didn't want to be cool either. We kind of wanted to watch them squirm. Like we weren't going to stop them, right. but we weren't going to say, oh, it's cool, man, go ahead. We just wanted to see what they do. And they all chickened out and they <laughs> went back into this Chris O'Donnell movie. And then later some of them came out to buy uh, stuff from us, food from us. 
And they were like, yeah, man, this movie sucks. <laughs> like, well, you could have gone see The Bone Collector, but I'm not telling you. So uh, anyway, Mag Todd for life. <laughs> That's amazing. So many good anecdotes. Um, yeah. <laughs> first of all, Patricia Arquette was Ben Stiller's wife from Flirting with Disaster. Good movie, but not sexy, correct? Um, the Bachelor is the Chris O'Donnell movie. <laughs> Um, and the bone collector was infamous among my friends because, um, after junior year prom, um, I went back to my girlfriend's house and everybody, all my friends were like, Ooh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. And then the next day they're like, what'd you do? I was like, we just watched the bone collector (laughs) and everybody was like the bone collector. You were supposed (laughs) like, she was supposed to be the bone collector. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it was, you know, high school. Yeah, man. Oh, the 90s. Yeah, she was collecting bones, all right. No, we were not sitting even close to each other. <laughs> <laughs> were those the chimes of midnight? What were we? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the Phantom Cackler heard the last episode where we're uh-huh. commenting where on... Like, is he is using his turn, turn signal? Turn signal. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the... Uh, the clock is striking oh, midnight, and that's yeah, when the yeah, yeah. and that's when the phantom cackler strikes. I imagine him like in an underground lair, and that's just like the sound <laughs> that's pumping in through his cave or whatever. <laughs> it's just nothing. It's just like he's a uh, I don't know. Maybe he's he's cleaning his <laughs> pipe organ or something. Uh-huh, exactly. He's kind of the phantom of the opera. <laughs> the cackler of the opera. Yes, the ca- exactly. The, ca- the cackler of the punk rock show. <laughs> Exactly. I'll have a uh, I'll, a phantom cackler reference a little later this episode. That's oh, nice, nice. Um, oh, and I it, it's because I know exactly where you're going to make that reference. Yeah, good. yeah, I thought we'd probably have the same observation. We, we have the same observation about <laughs> about this exact same song already. Yes, yes. Um, so, John, before we get into the five, I think we should play. I think we should play a game. Let's do it. Are you ready? Are you ready to play? Are you ready to play a game? I'm ready. All right. All right. Um, all right. So last week we played finish this new metal lyric yes. quiz. Uh, because 1999, big year for new metal. Um, however, the year 2000 was also a big year for new metal so <laughs> we are doing finish that new metal lyric quiz oh, two even newer i can't wait so newer spelled n-u-e-r <laughs> of course was there an umlaut over that sometimes maybe <laughs> i think so um I, I, probably probably all right so i have six questions um some of these are going to be a, mo- a majority of these are going to be finish the lyric, okay. um, but then there's one that's going to be a a fill in the blank. Okay. Um, but I'll let you know that when we get to that one. Um, so question one, this is from Papa Roach. Okay. Their song Tightrope from 2000's Infest. Uh-huh. My words are weapons in which I murder you with. <laughs> Please don't be scared. Please don't turn your head. We are the future, the 21st century dyslexic. A, 
glue sniffing cyber sluts. B, pot smoking Napster punks. Okay. C, bullet time the chosen ones. Wow. I mean, those are so many 2000 <laughs> era pulls. Uh, we are I'm... the future, the 21st century dyslexic. A, glue sniffing cyber sluts. B, pot smoking Napster punks. C, bullet time the chosen ones. I guess C. You're going. You're going. C. Bullet time. The chosen ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> they sorry. weren't making a Matrix reference. <laughs> they they did not make a Matrix reference. I'm sorry, but the correct answer is glue sniffing cyber sluts. Okay, I was so close to that, and then I was like, it's a little too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, question two. This is Lincoln Park by myself from 2000's hybrid theory Um, what do I do to ignore them behind me do I follow my instincts blindly do I hide my pride behind these bad dreams A or listen to the words and what they mean B do I run from the monsters and my screams or C and give into sad thoughts that are maddening. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if you made up the first two because they actually rhyme, but it's actually C and it doesn't really rhyme, and that's why it's interesting. Uh, C. You want C? Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so hide my pride behind these bad dreams and give into sad thoughts that are maddening. Yeah. Maddening. It, yeah. It's. I mean. Tom DeLonge style. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do I hide my pride? <laughs> Maddening. <laughs> Maddening. <laughs> Behind me. <laughs> oh, man. The uh, collab so- we never got, sadly. <laughs> All right. So you're one for you're one for two. Okay. Okay. Let's move, let's move on to Disturbed. All right. With their huge album, The Sickness. Oh, wow. And they're Saw your just, Twitter joke to Mike about that, by the way. Nice work. Yeah, had, had to. Um, this is the song "Dropping Plates." I okay. know, I know, I know. The sickness was a big album for you. Uh. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, guess again, my friend. Don't act surprised. We got the bass drum kick that will blow out your eyes, huh? Because <laughs> when you hear this shit. You'll get to step in. Uh-huh. A, gonna fight the war and use my music as a weapon. B, cool. it'll explode your brain with an act of aggression. <laughs> uh, or die trying to even learn this lesson. Hmm. Boy, oh boy. I really hope it's B, but I don't think they're there. Uh, a is kind of like punk. I can get them over with that. I don't know. I'm going C. You're going or dry or die trying to even learn this lesson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry, it's gonna fight the war and use my okay. music as a weapon. All right, go ahead, Disturbed. <laughs> well, uh, I looked through a lot of Disturbed lyrics. Um, yes, thank for, you for your <laughs> taking one for the team. Oof, uh, there is it. It's a it's a bummer. It's a bummer of a record. <laughs> Chicago's own. Yeah, I know. Well. 
They're uh, playing right. the Allstate Arena soon. <laughs> I know <And> they are. <laughs> he took, yeah, he took those uh, metal spikes out of his face. So, not interested. <laughs> nope. Hard pass. All right. Um, back to the biscuit. Lip oh, biscuit yeah. with 2000s uh, poetically titled Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water. Gross. And their song, Living It Up. Okay. It's on my stereo, pay me no mind. I've seen the Fight Club about 28 times. <laughs> Brag. And I keep, I, I'm a keep my pants sagging, keep a skateboard. <laughs> oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, this sucks. Okay, it's on my stereo, pay me no mind. I've seen Fight Club about 28 times. And I'm a keep my pants sagging, keep a skateboard, A, well, I smoke like a dragon. B, a spray a spray can for the tagging. Okay. Or C, and a and a list of all the chicks that I'm bagging. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I'm is going... he smoking like a dragon? He's got a spray can for tagging, or a list of chicks he's bagging. I'm, I'm going B. You're going a spray can for uh, for tagging. That is yeah. right. All right. <laughs> I know you're a big biscuit head, so. <laughs> so I mean, actually, that uh, whatever the like, oh, like two dollar bill, y'all. Um, when they had Faith, the George Michael cover, I was like, these guys are kind of cool. Yeah, that was. And, uh, I think that was their very first record. Yeah, it was. And then as they went on, I was like, mm, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they, maybe they suck. And um, yeah, those were good. I mean, all very convincing alternatives, though. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Um, all right, just got two more, and uh, Godsmack. Okay. I know you're you're uh, you're you're that, smackhead. <laughs> there was. <laughs> I really hope that's what they're called. I um, hope so. Podsmack. Uh, yeah. Coming soon. I uh, I do remember one Godsmack song I liked. Could not tell you what it was, but. Okay. Well, maybe it's Bad Magic from from 2000's album Awake. Maybe. When you get so high that you're wanting to die, but everything around you is turning green. When you're getting so low and I know you've been feeling like, A, a snowflake melting in the spring sun, it sucks. B, (laughs) a flower mowed down as it blooms, fuck that. Or C, a dried out leaf in a summer breeze, I don't like it. Wow. Um, C? One of those is a real lyric. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> C. A, a dried out leaf in a summer breeze. I don't like it. I don't it. like it. <laughs> um, impossibly, yes. that is the correct answer. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, Amazing. when you, when you're, you know, wanting to die and getting so low, and you're just like... <laughs> I don't like it, guys. I don't like it. I don't no, like it. I don't like it. No, sir. <clears throat> um, Amazing. We're gonna end. We're gonna end with uh, a Soulfly jam. The song. Um, it's. A, I'm not gonna tell you the name of the song uh, because it will uh, give away too much. Okay. But it's from 2000s Primitive. And this is where you're going to have to fill in the blank. Hmm. Um, spreading blank through the music. <laughs> rebelling against all this bullshit. Fire is the heat that burns deep inside. Raging 
and out of control. So spreading blank through the music, are they spreading A, love? Are they spreading B, terrorism? Or C, unity? Hmm. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> um, uh, C. They're spreading unity? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. <laughs> terrorism? They're spreading terrorism. terrorism. <laughs> Classic Spre- Soulfly. Yeah. The song is called Terrorist. Okay. Um, <laughs> spreading spreading terrorism. terrorism through the music, oh, rebelling boy. against all this bullshit. This probably would have played worse uh, a year later in um, 2001. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Um, you you got you got uh, three three out of six. So you, hey, that's you not bad. You did you yeah you did pretty good this time. You I'm did getting better. Doing getting better with your so now you'll be able to sing along to all of your favorite new metal cuts. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well done, game master, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Uh. Should we five it? Let's five it up. All right. This is our time for the five. (laughs) Drop it. Sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? Put that coffee down. What? I said you're drinking Colombian decaf coffee crystals. Coffee's for closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? You son of a bitch. I am not fucking. You no good. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mission Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Um, did you like... Yeah, wait, what was it? I was like, I, I know some of this. <laughs> Explain do, it. Do you remember? Do you remember? This was like viral. Like this is one of those really early viral internet trends of this uh-huh. um it's kid. like mashing up a bunch of different things or something? i was mashing no i was mashing up a bunch of stuff so yeah. basically the 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 hello my future girlfriend are you familiar? yeah yeah you're familiar yes, with but that? i was like did they sample that in a song or something no i i put uh. um i put shia labeouf saying <laughs> no 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 under that was nice work nice work <laughs> yeah um, Amazing! Yeah, hello, so, my future girlfriend. <laughs> this so is great. what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs> so great! Well done. Yeah, I I was like, I don't know. I I decided to get a little get a little weird with it. I loved it. Um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I did you? I think you did. I go first last week. I think. Or, or did um, you? I think did, you went first last okay, week. Okay, I, I think so. So you want to? Sure. Let's kick things off. We're talking 2000. I was 17. Mm. Uh, you know, we always do those albums. I will blow through five albums. Yeah. But um, we texted a little bit about this. Got a little yeah. preview. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid A, yeah. Radiohead, got to be yeah. up there for me. Um, I was a huge Radiohead fan since the Benz and continue to be even though the last couple albums have tested me a little um but when kid a first came out i was like you know part of that whole 
general alternative music reaction where I was like, what are these bleeps and bloops? Get back to the guitars. And then like after a few listens, I was like, oh, this is genius and sounds like the future. Um, I still love this up that album. Okay. uh, Outcast, Stankonia. Right. Big album for me. You uh, too. All that you yeah. can't leave behind. Maybe yeah. not a cool uh, choice, but you know what? Who cares? I love you too. That was and, a uh, that was a huge record. There sure was. Year. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that was another one where I loved like Octung Baby, um, and even like some of the weirder stuff as a kid. But then they kind of had the same thing where they went through like a mid to late nineties kind of a strange phase and I wasn't fully on board. And then they came back yeah. with this one and was like, Oh, you too. Right. They're yeah, they incredible. Did, they did uh Zuropa. Zuropa. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, but definitely weird. Um, yeah. but this is kind of them back in there. Weren't they, they're trying to do like, form. and then they also had pop. Um, right. Pop is where they got the weirdest. Yeah. Um, all interesting stuff. Anyway, I, I will always stand you too, even though again, the last few albums have been pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> yeah. At the drive-ins, relationship of command. Is I have that a, on my. I have okay, that on good. my list too. I was like, it's such a like staple of that kind yeah. of early emo yeah. uh, sound. But not even. I I wouldn't even. But it, no, it's I don't more, know what it's, you... Like I might even call them like post-hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just like very angular music, kind yes. of unique guitar styles. They they're a band that got also got pretty weird. Yes, um, for sure. With as their albums went on and. Uh, but they're both very proficient musicians yep. and totally um, incredible. Yeah, I, I love that album still. Yeah, and then uh, Modest Mouse's uh, "The Moon in Antarctica." Um, yeah, I liked that album a lot. So yeah. those are my five. Um, so I have I had to split music into two separate. Um, okay. I, I had to split them in the two separate little sections here because the Christian records that came out, like the, the tooth and nail, you know, stuff that came out um, and tooth and nail adjacent stuff that came out. Um, and like, then the, the non-Christian stuff yeah. that came out. I'm probably forgetting a bunch of stuff in your tooth and nail list that I'll be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So drawing black lines by project 86 Okay. Um, it was huge. Brian would have co-signed this in a serious way if you were right. if you were on the pod this week. Uh, obviously, Ever Passing Moment by MXPX came out. Of course. Um, the Juliana Theory's Emotion is Dead. Ooh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I've been listening to that album a yeah. lot in the past week. Yeah. And it, it's still a banger. It will always be a banger. I love it so much. And... Um, I love Juli- the Juliana Theory. I think uh, we might have to do a special episode about that one. Yeah, we might just have to. Uh, the self-titled album by Ace Troubleshooter. Yep. Um, which was recorded at the Blasting Room with uh, Bill, uh, with Bill and Stefan from The Descendants. Hey. So hey. And bad religion. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to confuse people. Who cares? Uh, Calibretto Thirteens <laughs> Enter the Danger Brigade. Hey. Uh, was an album I listened to a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Primarily because this was a time when, as I said previously, I really started writing a lot of my own music. And so many of the songs were, it was like essentially like acoustic punk rock. And so I was like, 
I can do that. I have an acoustic guitar. I don't need to have an electric guitar to write punk rock songs. Awesome. So it was a very inspiring, uh, very inspiring uh, album for, for me. Um, Tooth and Nail and BEC released uh, a couple comps called The Harder Side and The Softer Side, okay. which introduced me to some different artists and different styles that I normally wouldn't listen to. And they were like 90, they're, they're called like cheap skates. And that mm-hmm. was like the, the style of right, the, right. the, the, the um, anyway. And they were like 99 cents. So I'm like, for sure. And that had ours like Furthermore, Soup the Chemist, MG the Visionary. Mm-hmm. And um, the Harder Side uh, uh, comp had the song Angel by Slick Shoes. So that was probably the first time I heard that because I didn't end up getting Wake Up Screaming. Um, I'm not sure why that album sort of passed me by at the time. Bad vinyl now. I, I, <laughs> I have it. <laughs> so those are my uh, go with those for the music for my uh, my Christian records. Cool. Um, are you doing the other list I'll as a you, second? Yeah, it's a second one. Okay. I, I felt like it was it was different kind of sure sure framing. Yep. Okay. So I'm moving on to movies. Sure. Uh, I imagine you might have some movies in there as well. Uh, I don't have any movies okay. this time. It's it was. I was looking through the movies of 2000. I yeah. was like, there was nothing that really jumped out as like a movie that was like that held me like w- held my attention over these past you know 20 years. Yeah, I I mainly agree with that. I only have a few, and it's crazy because these past few episodes there've been like so many, so many um, movies. But yeah, I know ninety nine was like uh, famously a very good year for film. Uh, Two thousand maybe not so much, but uh, Memento I yeah. loved yeah. and haven't watched in a long time, but I, I really love that movie. Yeah. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, gotta yeah. shout that one out. Um, Neither of those movies uh, really really did anything for me. Okay. I don't know Memento, why. I think Memento is super interesting in terms of like story structure and sure. um, just doing some really unique things with uh, storytelling, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Almost Famous, like sure. as a kid who aspired to either yeah. be a rock star or be a, a rock journalist, like yeah. it definitely spoke to me. So that, that but those did. are the only few I have. Yeah, that would have been the only one I would have called out if I put if I put it down. But yeah, right. but also Requiem for a Dream came out that year, and that yeah. movie is a bummer. <laughs> it is, yeah, it really uh, it's d- did a I, number I a on sh- me. I have a short list of movies that I never want never want to watch again. And that is at the top <laughs> of the list. It's crazy because that was twenty years ago, and yet I remember it vividly and to the point that I'm like, I don't need to see it again. <laughs> yeah, it it was such a bummer movie. Um, all right. So my other records that I felt like I, I wanted to split out, I didn't want to like mm-hmm. make my, my number one be like 45 minutes about talking about these different albums. <laughs> sure. But so I'll, we already talked about kid a by Radiohead and relationship of command by at the drive-in, yep. um, newfound glories, self-titled record, okay. uh, came out good. Charlotte's debut record came out. Right. Uh, I listened to that a lot when it first, when it first dropped and I was listening to it again this past week to just be like, let me refresh my memory. And it's got some hooky, some hooky like parts to it. And I mean, it's, it's not a terrible album by any stretch. Um, but it's, (laughs) I guess I kind of forgot how much 
they were like, yeah, ha ha, uh, come on. <laughs> yes, you know, for sure. Like, and I, I was like, are you, it's like, you guys are pop punk, but there's like kind of like a, I don't know. They do like a Will Smith Miami vibe. Like what's going on? (laughs) 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 Come on. Uh, There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ad libbing going on with those, in those songs. But I, um, uh, I saw them open for MXPX right around that time. And that's uh, when I first heard them. Yep. Yep. Um, They were MXPX was on that tour. Um, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory was a record I bought when it came out. I actually remember uh, I strayed from the Rand Road Best Buy oh, man. and picked this up at the um, uh, shit. What's the name? What's the the mall? What? Sam Goody? Ranters. Ranters. Uh, I went to Ranters and I got it at the Circuit City. Circuit City. <laughs> the coolest place to buy all your albums. Dude, you got you gots to get hybrid theory at Circuit City, bro. <laughs> they had that uh, special Circuit City edition only there. <laughs> um, but also, this is going to make me, this is going to probably shock some people, but um, the Beatles 1 album came out that the compilation that right, had right. like all of their like many, many number one hits. And my parents got this record and it was pretty much my, one of my first exposures to the Beatles. Huh. I mean, my parents, we would like listen to the oldies radio stations and stuff, but like my, my music discovery was sort of a solo venture. Mm-hmm. My, I didn't grow up having my parents pass on music to me. So uh, them playing this CD a lot in the car was like sort of an immersive kind of experience of all of these number one Beatles hits. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It wasn't until Weird Al that you and your dad could really uh, <laughs> bond over going to shows together. That's true. Um, and Cornerstone. Yep. Um, I uh, My earliest musical memory is my mom putting Beatles records on for me, like when I was a toddler. And so I remember like laying on the floor of my basement when I was like four or something and just like pouring over the album covers to like Revolver and stuff. So that stuff is deeply ingrained in me. But um well, yeah, I, you're much cooler than me. I think not, we've already I think we've already established this. Not to brag, I, but I was uh, four <laughs> when I started listening to the Beatles <laughs> before anybody else was. <laughs> um, Beatles, a uh, good band. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard they're pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Right. Pretty good. Okay. What do you? What's your? What's your number three? Okay, number three. So we're talking about two thousand. I was a junior in high school. My memory is a little fuzzy, but I think there was like a junior showcase, um, which was like on stage in front of the whole school, juniors showing off various skills or something. I don't know. But I remember that Tiger Jack, my band, played. Hell yes. (laughs) Of course. Um, I was part of an embarrassing acoustic hip-hop comedy duo. (laughs) John. (laughs) I've never shared this on mic before. John, please. I, I'm asking two things right now. Uh-huh. I need you to share in as much detail as possible uh-huh. any and all lyrics to any of these songs. Uh-huh. And can you please tell me if there are any 
any lyric not, or any videos uh, to any of your, you know, it's possible that there is some somewhere, but I have no access to them. Uh, shout out to my fellow Minnehaha, <laughs> a little uh, little Tiger Jack to underscore us here. You don't remember? Um, you don't remember any of the lyrics to your? Well, we weren't. They weren't original lyrics. It was like covers of hip hop songs done acoustically and like You're, were you trying to do like were you trying to do like a um well this is before you know whatever they're called <laughs> flight of the concords or any no, of I, was, I was thinking of was it um was it fastball that did boys in the hood Ooh. oh boys in the hood I don't, yeah i know what you're talking about the, um, the, fastball definitely did the like Without ever knowing the way. That was a yeah. jam. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't know. Dynamite Hack, apparently. Dynamite Hack. Okay, Dynamite Hack, yeah. Um, no, it was kind of like, and it became like such a sort of cliche of like two white guys doing like acoustic versions of hip hop songs. Like that definitely became a thing later, but we were real innovators in the same way that I listened to the Beatles when I was four. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. I just, we did like... Um, <laughs> there you go it was kind of like this we did um we did i think this mainly grew out of the fact that i could do a good eminem impression oh, okay. um so i just remember one like our set would close with me going nowadays everybody want to talk but they got something <laughs> to say but nothing comes out when they move the lips it's a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers like i changed the lyrics but you didn't say <laughs> you didn't you didn't say like um you didn't use the uh the N word like dynamite no. hack does in oh, boys in the hood. Yeah, that's that's a tough lick. No, I changed it. Um, but anyway, that that was going on, and then um... <laughs> you you weren't like it's like you weren't. Um... <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, don't cancel yourself. Um, and uh, okay, so the hip hop duo, and then I also danced on stage to a Britney Spears song um, that like. I forget. Ex- I think it was like a bunch of our like girlfriends or girls who were friends did a whole like choreographed thing. And we came out to be like the guys that propose in the song. And then we jumped off stage. I don't know. Um, and then my friends made like a fake boy band video. That was part <laughs> of it too. There was just a lot going on. Very 2000. So yeah. anyway, junior yeah. showcase. Oh, I, I found, I found a video of your, M- <laughs> your Eminem impression. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm driving the Porsche <laughs> over the floor, doors over the floor, oh, man, the floor so doors, good. The and the oh man, I know that we've, <laughs> I know that we've discussed this on the pod before, but that what he gets so right about it is that Eminem does like multiple rhymes per line, like that's yeah. his whole thing, and yeah. so he nails it. But it's funny because at first Eminem had that very like, "Hi kids," like that yeah. thing, and then he did, he you became like- more like that. <laughs> Do you like violence? Right. So you want like, to stick nine inch? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he did morph into that more gruff <laughs> voice. That's so good. Um, Get him on the pod. You know, I've, I've watched quite a bit of Chris D'Elia stand up and I can uh-huh. tell you, that I do not find him 
funny. No, this is the funniest at, thing he's ever this done. This is the only funny thing. This is the only thing that he's ever done that's like made me laugh. Yeah, yeah his stand up, right. his stand up comedy is 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 whack. He but should just this, stick to Eminem impressions. <laughs> you should just get up on stage for like just a minute and a half and do well, stare at mannequins. Anakin, scan, scan. Oh, Fanakin. <laughs> love, love a good Fanakin. Yep. Uh, hashtag, hashtag Fanakin. Um, oh, okay. So All good. right. Um, other, other things. Uh, 2000, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Of course. On N64. Uh, it's hard to think about, like, a game that was, <laughs> that was such a game changer like that, that... Uh, Oh man, it was it it this like the uh, a game the games that were coming out on N64 at the time with just such open worlds, the uh, ability yeah, totally. to like move around in an open non-linear platforming way uh like with um you know like the first person shooters and with um the the Zelda games like um uh Ocarina of Time and mm-hmm. and these just giant maps that I'm just like, it just, it gave you the sense of freedom and like, you can like do whatever you want. You can go, you, they, they don't tell you where to go. You can go where you want. Yeah. Um, and at the same time this year, I looked it up cause I was curious, um, kind of like what, looking at popular stuff at the, at this time, Do, uh, tech decks. Did you remember tech decks? Yeah. Vaguely. The, the tiny, they're tiny little finger skateboards. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So this was like, this. I think skateboarding was kind of hitting a like a really having a moment right around this time. Yeah. And and so <laughs> I remember like I, I mean I didn't skateboard but I played Tony Hawk and I had a tech deck and right. it was like it was just so much a part of like you know then Avril Lavigne would come out like eventually with Skater Boy and like everything nice. was like it was like a very pro skater era. Yep. So, shout out to the girl in eighth grade who said she liked me at first, but then stopped liking me when she realized I wasn't a skater. <laughs> oh man, she sucks. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough. She, luck. she, uh, what's her name? And let's, uh, get, let's get her <laughs> on, the on the pod. pod. <laughs> no, we, everything's cool now. <laughs> uh, okay, I I see your pro skater too, and I raise you two words: yeah. hanging chads. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, can't talk about 2000 without talking about uh, the presidential election which yeah. was like the beginning of the hellscape which we now yeah <laughs> reside in yeah. Um, but uh yeah that was pretty wild and i was only like i was engaged in it enough yeah. to be like um you know writing editorials in my school newspaper about ralph nader <laughs> right um but uh you know, not to the extent that like, if that would have gone on today, I would have been like absolutely losing my mind. Right. Um, so anyway, what a, what a, what a time, what a, uh, and even that is almost like quaint that I was just like, Oh no, like this is going to be the worst that America ever gets. <laughs> but, yeah. um, anyway, right. it's a tough time for, for the old country. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this, this is a, an arrested development moment where it's um, <laughs> where you're like, um, it the, the, yeah, it this is the worst America is ever going to be narrator. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, we just need let's get Ron Howard on the pod. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, so, and we can't. We literally can't talk about the year two thousand without talking about Y two K. Oh yeah, good call. Um, so, I remember. So I, I don't know the like typical. I don't know what like the demographic. I imagine most of our listeners are old enough to yeah. remember, or probably our age and older. Um, but like for anybody who, for, for whatever reason, if you're not, uh, weren't super, you know, you weren't of an age to remember the Y2K is like thinking that the digital clocks were going to roll over from 99 to like zero or like 1900 and planes were going to fall out of the sky and nuclear <laughs> weapons were going to like fire Falling accidentally. out of the sky. <laughs> Destroy the moon. <laughs> we thought the moon was going to get destroyed. Uh, and people were like, st- like stocking up on like guns and, yeah. and water and freeze drying food because they literally thought that this was uh, the end of the world. Right. And I was looking up, something about uh about the like lead up to it and i think it was i can't remember if it was jerry falwell or somebody was saying that this was going to be you know god's judgment and this was of course like anytime anybody from any religion was like (laughs) this is unequivocally going to be when the world ends and it's like yeah it doesn't work out that way it never that's never the case but did you have any memories of Y2K and or what you did on on New Year's Eve when you're um I think we talked about this on it must have been the uh, ever passing moment it must it must have we probably did but you know what it's that's it's it's been <laughs> almost old news yeah it's been over a year and a half at this point but there was one New Year's Eve where or maybe it was for some reason, my friends and I <laughs> went to go see Shakespeare in Love, which, like, of course, that's what you do on New Year's. Um, but I think that that was 98, and all I remember thinking about is, like, man, 99, that's going to be crazy because it's, like, the Prince song. And like, right. <laughs> I don't, and I was like, and I'm going to have my license by then, so who knows what craziness I'm going to be getting up to. And I don't think <laughs> it was anything too crazy. Although I was just talking about at work that I went to a New Year's Eve rave in high school. Um <laughs> And it was at uh, oh Chuck E. Cheese after hours. <laughs> and uh, man, shout out to rave culture. Because uh, you would just like get a weird postcard that had like some funny graphics on it. And then you called a number on the day of the rave and they told you where to go. Um, so it was like a mystery where it was going to be. And I just remember being at this <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. It probably was that year at midnight. And um my friend kissed a girl next to him and I just kept dancing by myself, like next to the ball pit or whatever. So, um, yeah. Anyway, what were you doing? <laughs> I was at home, you yeah, know, right. that, that I, right. was, I was 15. I, I, you know, I, I turned, that's my next, uh, my next, you know, my last one is I, I turned okay. 16 in right. the year 2000. Okay. Um, so, but, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I was, I was kind of like, We'll see what happens. I wasn't, I wasn't really too worried about it. No, I my, was not my, ex, my existential dread and anxiety would come later. <laughs> I feel like it was like all the experts were like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and I was like, they better be right. Yeah. Um, okay. The, so I have one more. Yep. Uh, so this, I mentioned 
last episode that Napster was founded in 1999. Right. In 2000, Metallica filed a lawsuit against Napster. (laughs) And by the end of the year, they had become a subscription service for legal downloads. So it is wild, the like quick trajectory of Napster's rise and fall. Um, You know, it's, it's crazy to me that, um, can you imagine if, if the music industry and Metallica and Lars Ulrich were, had some sort of idea of like, let's, let's try and let's, let's try and monetize this instead of like, you know, suing music fans (laughs) or like, like making music fans and the people that have been behind your career for, you know, decades, making them like alienating them. Yeah. Um, And it's, and it, it, it's, one of those things that that will forever be a part yeah. of their legacy forever, For sure. you know, yeah. and yep. they don't, they don't look like the good guys in the story. Even, even in a, in the sense where like people are pirating their music, they still come off looking like the assholes. Yeah. I mean, I just remember <laughs> and then they release say anger. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, the uh, the Metallica behind the music, the VH1 show, <laughs> was one of the best uh, episodes, and uh, they get very into the Napster stuff. But I just I think about this all the time. Like when we talk about being sellouts and me caring about selling out and stuff, I think about this Jason Newstead interview where he's like getting into whether the band sold out, and he's like, "Do we sell out? Yes, every single night." <laughs> he was trying to be like, yeah, we sell out arenas, man. That's cool. And I was just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, that is Metallica circa 2000. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you ever, this is a, a video I recommend everybody uh, Googles or looks up on YouTube right now. You should pause the podcast and listen to it. <laughs> it, it some some genius some hero <laughs> took a uh, master of puppets and inserted the saint anger snare sound uh, yeah we've talked about this on the pod before <laughs> it's glorious it's it is <laughs> such a, a bummer it is a mess and yeah. it sounds so horrible but i i laugh my ass off yeah it's every good. time all right. all right should we uh close it down yeah, that's the five. That's the that's the five. Should we get hyped before we hype it? <laughs> Let's do it. Because I need to I need to hype myself up. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> because I'm just saying. I'm not yeah. saying. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we will uh, listen to Five Iron Frenzy's 2000 record. All the hype that that money can buy. And we're back. You're not too lover. We'll get to that. <laughs> yep. We're talking. All the hype that money can buy with what a uh, weird album. <laughs> <laughs> it is a big turn. Yeah. Yes. From anything. Yeah. Um, 
so as as Jason uh, alluded to, the songwriting credits on mm-hmm. on this album are all over the place, all over the map. Although so, heavily Dennis, <laughs> heavily Dennis, but instead of just like you know some some Dennis, some Reese, it's like. We got a lot of, we got some Leonor, we got uh, Micah, we got Andy Verdecchio, you know, we got Scott, you know, it's, so there's most of them. Sonny, yeah, mo- yeah Sonny uh, is, has a credit on, um, mm-hmm. on World Without End. Yep. So uh, it's, it's, everybody is, I mean, it seems like they were contributing to this, to this record, which probably, uh, it is part of why it's it's so all over the place yeah for sure i uh i imagine that they felt um post scott leaving who <clears throat> sorry i'm gonna keep my coughing under control um get it together <laughs> he was the primary songwriter for their first several albums as we've discussed and then to have your main guy leave they're probably like well what does that look like maybe it looks like all of us trying something you know like jason was saying throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks um it's very eclectic which is cool it's probably too eclectic (laughs) it like does not hang together as a cohesive album (laughs) Um, yeah i i feel like this the I was going to I was going to maybe use too harsh of a word but I'll I'll say where I feel like the album struggles I think it heavily struggles with the music and where they continue to um do their good work of wrestling with the lyrical yeah. content. Yes, agreed. It's a very wrestly record. Yes. And not in the way that like quantity is where it's like um mostly like social issues it really seems like reese is in like a dark place (laughs) right um at the time of this album and they do get into social issues and stuff too but it just is like probably the the darkest five iron record yeah Um, it's and it's funny because like uh the the album cover is the the goofiest it's the silliest of the album covers and and they take on yeah uh some pretty there's some there's some finger pointing going on in yeah. in this uh yeah. in this record and um but I mean with 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 a sprinkling of silliness that yeah. uh you one would expect but yeah yeah I uh I have alluded to this in previous episodes but like this was one I was really interested in revisiting because it was never one of my favorites. Um, Re-listening now, it's probably my least favorite. Um, This is the first time I've straight up disliked songs. (laughs) Yeah. Five albums in, which is like pretty good, pretty good track record. Um, Right. um, Well, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the, the releases that they've had. I mean, They've they've had a pretty solid um and consistent release schedule and consistently yes. good records. Yeah. So yeah, this uh this is the fifth year in a row of record releases. Um 
and then they'll have 2001 with electric yep. boogaloo so that's they, right yeah um first non-november release for them though <laughs> no they're in april yeah um but yeah i uh you know i i think my perception of it was that like so this album definitely had a wider reach like i think it's their biggest selling album um it got to number 146 on the billboard 200 which is pretty good this was definitely kind of like you know as jason was saying they were at their sort of peak but scott was also like that bubble was bursting and i think a lot of bands were sort of looking at what do they do next so it was an interesting they were both needing to decide new songwriting directions after scott and i think a lot of bands are sort of assessing what to play and i was always a little bit frustrated that because like i remember keith called it a rock record with horns um when it was coming out and i was like just play ska <laughs> like <laughs> i understand wanting to change it up um post scott and post ska boom but i do miss the more straight ahead ska and i will you know not to spoil future episodes but i think they they bounce back quite well in the next few albums in a in a different direction again but one that's like a little more cohesive for me but, than this one but you know i i don't I I think that there are, are a number of forces at work with this record. Mm-hmm. One being the post ska boom, right? Um, and then the other being the post Scott boom, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, the other being like, I think I think it was maybe a little you know, coming out of maybe a potentially contentious situation. And uh, the, the, I think combined with maybe some personal struggles with Reese and maybe them trying to redefine themselves or just, you know, because the, the consistent uh, as, and this is going to be a, a theme that uh, it's a theme that, that has been throughout their records is the, the Christian music industry, uh, the uh, trying to trying them trying to be authentic and other and the and the machine trying to push an image, yeah. And so I think that there were there was a lot that went into into this, and I I so much want would have wanted this record to be. I think it had the makings of a potentially great record mm-hmm. with because struggle and 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 hardship and loss can yeah. there can be art that can come from that but mm-hmm. uh sometimes a sometimes mixing it up is not always necessarily a good thing maybe yeah. they're like Oh, we're not going to phone it in. We're not going to do the the safe thing. Sure, yeah. Which I I feel like that's that's a fair. That's a fair. Yeah. Uh, that's a fair position to take, and yeah. and they could have they could have done a safe thing, and but maybe in two thousand it wasn't safe. Maybe it wasn't right. a guarantee to like yeah to make an, another ska record. Yeah, for sure. No, I. Uh... I remember that being something that like was definitely much a, a very much a, a topic of discussion. Like that ska boom came and went so fast and it was like, 
what do we want? Cause it was like, <laughs> I feel like it very quickly went from everybody being like, this is great to like kind of embarrassed by it. Um, and it was like, well, what do we want out of these bands? And I feel like I was always of the position of like, I just want them to keep playing more ska, but I certainly understand that that was not as tenable as it once was. Um, and I certainly did not stay heavily invested in the ska scene <laughs> myself. So, um, but I remember like this one just being like another level of sort of exposure for them. Like I remember cheapo the record store in the twin cities that we've discussed many times had these giant all the hype displays that were like these basketball things that hung down from the ceiling (laughs) and just being like oh this is like people are aware of them in a new way um and uh yeah it's like put them on another level but at a weird time for them so i um I'll just say it was not hard to choose my top three. <laughs> like my favorites are the ones that became staples of their sets. And that's all I'll say by way of a spoiler, but like there's a lot of weird stuff that I forgot about on here. And some of it I'm like the first time I listen, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. And then the more that I listen, I'm like, you know, they're going for something and that's cool, but it doesn't um, crack the like upper tier of five iron <laughs> for me. So yeah, I mean, I think that they're, I think this this was one of those, <laughs> the albums, you know, where we were like, uh, you know, like with um, our newest album ever, we're like, oh man, there's so many album songs that could have right, been, right. I could swap it out. This is one of those albums <laughs> where it's like, it was kind of difficult for me to be like, uh, I mean, I guess this is in my top three. It's kind of like, <laughs> I'm kind of lukewarm on a bunch of these sure. songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even some of the ones that they do play live, it's like, I'm like, it's fine. Right. But like, I don't get super excited about them. Yeah, I uh, would agree I, with that. Yeah. And again, like you said, maybe if we spend more time with this record, we'll eventually... Yeah. Yeah. I... um. I have already begun to appreciate a little more because I think when I first listened as a kid and even on my first listen now revisiting it, I was kind of like, but then like listening a few times, the songs that run me the wrong way initially, I was like, you know, I get what they're trying to do here. And I appreciate that more than my initial, just like not being into it. Um, It is weird because it's, you know, once again, produced by Masaki Liu, uh, five minute walk, like same structure as normal for them, but definitely different sound um interesting that you know even though this is the first album without you know first live album without scott he does have a writing credit on one song and he does guest vocals on another um carl perrazzo of santana plays percussion on a couple songs <laughs> which is weird uh yeah there's a lot going on in this record yes um, get into it yeah i've so i quickly want to plug a website that my buddy it's a startup site and business that my my buddy Alex partnered with somebody to make. It's called Soundproof, S O U N D P R U F, and it's a it is a site that you log in with your Spotify account, and it tracks your listening habits and. So you can get your weekly, monthly, yearly um, uh, stats of what you're listening to. You know, like Spotify does their wrapped every year, 
but um, this is something that you can get like up to the minute of what you're listening to mm. and you can see what other soundproof users are listening to see what the, their everybody else's top artists and you can also um depending on how much you listen to a certain artist you get ranked in like a, a in the top three of like who's who's mostly listening to this artist and so you get like <laughs> these little badges for the artist that you listen to the most you get that badge bro oh i'm i'm hardcore badging with uh, <laughs> yes so it within the within the last year uh-huh. Um, I have, I have listened to over, I've listened to almost 28 hours of five iron. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I've listened <laughs> and, and it's, it's also, I think it's probably because I've been listening to really listening to them a lot lately for the pod because right. I've listened to 10 and a half hours of, of it alone this month. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of five iron. It's probably similar for me, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, so you know, uh, you should, people should check out Soundproof. It's really fun. Cool. I I love, and they have like artist recommendations. Like, hey, check out these like up and coming artists. And you know, it's 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 a neat it's a neat site. Yeah. So anyway, um, all that to say that I've I've really done my due diligence of giving <laughs> this of giving this record yes a a a very repeated listen. Yeah. In, in recent weeks because it is my one of my under most under listened so it's weird because i listened to all the other records and then i even purchased electric boogaloo and i didn't i never i skipped over this record for whatever reason um so i don't know what happened that i just this was not this is one that was never really on my radar yeah i agree i remember my friends listening to it when it came out and I was just kind of like, I don't like this new direction. And then just never really was into it again. Um, I will say that I had a, you know, I liked the other albums that followed more than this one, but I've alluded to this too, that I kind of lumped a lot of the post Scott stuff together in my mind. And I will say revisiting a little bit, the other albums that followed this, I think are, much stronger and I appreciate them in a new way. I thought the same thing might happen with this one. It didn't really, but right. I do find it interesting and I'm looking forward to, to talking about it. Yes, there's, there's plenty to discuss. So without further ado, uh, the greatest story ever told. Something smells like bile I don't want to burst your bubble Not to rain on your parade Underneath my skin I tired lip 
Greatest story ever told. It's my number one. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. yep. Um, I, I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we might be in sync on this one for top three. Um, no, well, I, I, it's my turn to blow it right <laughs> out the gate. Um, I think, I think this song has retains a lot of the um, ska elements that are yeah. mostly lacking on this record. Um, and I also think that the bass is playful. The drums are, you know, the drums are unique. Um, yeah. And I like, I like the harmonies. I like that the, uh, the chorus is that the, the the guitars are a little sustained. It's not like a driving chorus. I, so I think that was that makes the track a little unique. Um, yeah. To me, it's the most obvious opener track, with the exception of maybe one other song. But hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think the buildup of the bridge is uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there you go. I can count my years in scars. The only That's cool. one I like that. that's never left me has carried me so very far. I've heard it said that you waste nothing beautiful. I think once it gets back into the chorus there it loses me again a little bit really so the chorus uh, the chorus doesn't do anything really for you i i i like the sort of like i love the harmonies and the sort of cascading harmonies yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm into the song yeah. um and i think this also it's almost like i feel like the greatest story ever ever told in world without end or like yeah two sides of the same coin Yes. They kind of, this could, this to me is, could also be uh, a decent closer. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a better one. I don't know. Oh, snap. Um, no, I, I do like that song. We'll get to it, but it's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, I think you're building the song and my estimation up a little bit. I, I But like a lot of these songs, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Um, I mean, just like the beginning too, with a yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. the you know the yeah. like the I don't know. I I think there's enough interesting going on in the song. I I mean, it's it's no handbook for you know handbook for a sellout uh, or anything no. like that. But yeah, I um. I don't know. I we should say like it sounds great. The record sounds great, and um, yeah, they're trying different things in terms of production style. And I'm not sure all of them are successful, but um, th- it all sounds really good. Um, it's the the tone. I I think the tone, just the tone of the record in general, is. Yeah. I th- I feel like 
they've de- they've done historically they've done a really good job of of blending the silliness with the seriousness and i think this album as we said just overall just has a little bit more of a darker heavier yeah feel to it yeah um we should also say there's no hidden track at the end which is unusual for them but there is one at the beginning do you know about this <laughs> yeah, have you uh, heard about this yeah <laughs> <laughs> you guys hear about this uh see some news <laughs> There was. Um, what else is going on? <laughs> if you rewind the, the first track, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know about this. So it was I, like I, I don't. I've never had the CD. I just uh, heard. Mm, it's just like a little. It's kind of like we're seeing them, where they just go like "What's up" or something and play like a few chords. But it's called "What's Up." So anyway, shout out to the <laughs> beginning hidden track. Uh, shouts. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to uh, Mio Mai, which we got a. Uh, it's our. It's our girl. Some Leonor lyrics over here. Le- got some Leonor <laughs> lyrics over here. Mio yeah. Mai. <laughs> Me- certainly uh starts off peppier yes um i i don't i don't know if i I don't know if i really like the song too much yeah i like the ska embrace here feels a little more comfortable to me but it just doesn't really go anywhere for me um yeah um i don't know it's so the the some of this this is sort of the introduction to some of the weird background vocal choices that they kind of will pepper throughout the record, you know, with like the me, oh my, you <laughs> yeah, know? which like we'd normally do over the song, but they did it for yeah, us. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. I like that. It's fast. I don't really totally understand the lyrics. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> I think it's like, she saw something significant in the sky spiritually that reminded her of God or maybe like God is coming back or something. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it's just being out in nature, being in Colorado and looking up at the immensity of the star or something. Maybe that could be, but uh, yeah, it's, I just, it's just hard for me to connect to the song on the music or the lyrics because I'm not sure exactly what's going on. Uh, agreed. So, uh, solidarity, bro. <laughs> we go. We go to going to a luau under the sea over here. <laughs> it does kind of sound like under the sea. 
brothers and the sisters To all of the resistors All the workers broke and crying On the road that leads to Zion To mountains of mountains We will all climb All of God's children fun one it's fun i really like i really like the music um the chorus loses me quite a bit (laughs) it's it's something (laughs) um i i like i like there's so there's so many parts of the song that are like i'm like hell yes brothers and sisters and resistors it's like a rallying cry for the broke and the crying and Uh you know and like solidarity and like um, you know, one world, one voice, and the trenches we stand tall. You know, like I'm, I'm on board for all of it. But, um, but then there's a part in the second verse, while the light is growing dim, make war to keep your faith in Him. Mm. Um. Well, and guess who's singing on that second verse? <laughs> oh, was that was that was that a Dennis verse? That's Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't I I'm I'm I don't really mess with war analogies. <laughs> no, no, no. Especially when it comes to anything relating to faith <laughs> or Christianity. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, you want to go to war over? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah that's how uh, the crusades got started. Yeah, you want to start trying to start a crusade over? <laughs> <Really? laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I don't know how Are to talk. You a that. real Christian over here? Yeah, it's yeah. just, I mean, that ha- there's this, like, reggae lyrics happening, which yeah. is, like, kind of cool. Yeah. Brad is doing those Rasta vocals, the <laughs> unity lover, which, like, uh, A, further proves that the reggae pants version uh, was <laughs> great. And B, like, <laughs> it's so weird, but I, I'm kind of into it. It's sort of like this, like, reggae, oi, kind of like op ivy feel or something. I don't no. know. No, not quite that, but like, <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is interesting. I like the sort of like... It's a yeah, swing. Whole, it's yeah, a it's swing. a swing. Those uh, Latin yeah. sounds of the horn parts and the I guitar. Like, I like that. The verses... Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let one voice ring throughout the world. Let truth be sown. Like, it's. it just seems... It's. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a cohesive <laughs> chorus to me. Yeah, yeah. Anytime there's like punk rock calls for unity it's always a little bit like i don't know maybe i'm just pointing a finger at myself here because i would write those in my band and it's like i thought they were saying something profound but i'm looking back and i'm like so what are you like calling us to do exactly i don't know hey, maybe it's well, just because it <laughs> speaking of op ivy 
Unity, there's Unity. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with another Unity song. No, I love those. And I think that's what they're trying to do, but I agree. The verse is definitely like muddy it a little. Um, I don't know. I think the whole thing is fun, but it never really shifts into like a next gear for me. It just kind of stays at like, oh, interesting, whatever. Hey, can you want to shift into your next gear in your Camaro? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> about some keys over here oh what oh shit Who is Steve? I gotta I know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's my number three. It's my number two. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so great. It's great. Um, it's a great, it's a great cut. Um I I haven't seen them play this live in the times that I've seen them in recent. Oh, really? I feel like this became like a staple for them, but did you see I mean we didn't see it in Chicago. I don't remember them playing Phantom Bullet in Chicago. I guess not. It must have been the times that I saw them headline rather than open. Um, I saw but, them in Grand Rapids. I don't remember them playing huh, in Grand Rapids. Interesting. Either. I feel like I've seen it recently. Maybe somebody can correct us on this, but um, um Yeah, I so here so this my comment on this is that I feel so I love all the the metal elements to the song. Yes. It's so great. It's such an 80s <laughs> yes. like uh glam metal song and I love I love lo- so much about it. Um but it also to me feels like a Roper song. Yeah. Um, right. Which is not a problem because I we'll get into Roper oh, because because I stand I stand some Roper. Yeah. Um but yeah, so but so I I feel like um this is the silliness part of the part of the album and yes like and i'm and i'm all here for it yeah it's uh i think this was the first song that i heard from this and i remember at the time being like is this like too silly (laughs) um (laughs) but now i'm really into it i obviously have a soft spot for hair metal right i had a mullet myself (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i enjoy this 80s embrace very deeply he gets to do his uh, metal scream that he was practicing on the on the live album. Yeah. Um, shout out to Steve. Yeah, shred. Love that solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a 
I mean, and the the, the, gang, the gang vocals. Ah, yeah, it's so good. Um, I mean, it could be he could be referencing any number of like metal <laughs> like lead singers or songwriters yeah, that sure. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Steve is also just a good name for like a, a hair metal eighties buddy. <laughs> Come on, Steve. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm into it. Into it. Um, so let's go from um, the high of the phantom mullet <laughs> to Bummerville. <laughs> song um and it's my number two. Oh, interesting okay i i i i know that you know brian said last week that this song has never done anything for him and yeah. i feel like that's probably maybe your case too i don't i don't know if you were like yeah um but there's just something i i, I like that you know so much of the songs have been like wrestling with ideas about the church and about God and about society and, and um, doing something silly. And, and I feel like there's always been sort of this like personal, like step back from like, not always, not, not always talking about like, I mean, sure. I'm blue comb. There was like an allusion to his parents divorce and everything, but like, but this is like, I'm I'm really sad. I I this is like it like kind of an like the ultimate vulnerability of being like this ended and it sucks and I miss you and that's I mean that's like um yeah it's 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 tough it it's a tough it is tough yeah no I I appreciate that I think um yeah for some reason I thought when we discussed this last week on the proof episode that we were all kind of in agreement that like the song just was a little boring. <laughs> I, didn't, I guess I was I mistaken. Didn't, I didn't really, I think maybe I was saying that the, the, maybe the live, live performance. Yeah. 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 And it's um, interesting to get that insight from Jason earlier that, um, you know, the song existed and then sort of a, specific type of breakup song was sort of grafted onto it i don't know i um i will say i mean first of all those opening horns it's like a very specific ska sound i feel like uh-huh. it's sort of like the late 90s ska sound or something um and the chorus doesn't really hit me with them like no to me it like it 
I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like it almost sounds two-tone. But yeah, maybe I'm, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, maybe I'm thinking like earlier. <laughs> but it just has like a specific sound that I feel like accompanied a trailer for a movie about like teenagers <laughs> in the late 90s or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't dislike it. I'm just saying like it's a very specific kind of sound. Um, and the chorus doesn't do a ton for me, but I love the bridge. Um, I think the bridge is really cool. Whoa. There we go. Whoa. 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 Yeah. A little octave change. Yeah. Really into those woos leading into the uh, going up an octave. So anyway, I think there are things to appreciate about it for sure. Yep. Um, now on to... Um, this is the, now that's what I call oof song. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Gordon soundtrack. I was in second grade. My first real record, yeah. Worn down it played and played. Lots to say. <laughs> Lots. And there's more There's more in the song that comes later. Um, but why don't you uh, tell me what you, tell me some of your thoughts. I mean, my thoughtful thoughts are as follows. <laughs> I think, you know, we've alluded to this song a couple times already. Um, right. And I appreciate that he's tackling this. I appreciate that he is calling out that when he was younger, you know, he says when the world was black and white, basically acknowledging like before you are capable of like nuance, um, these ideas are a comfortable, <laughs> are comfortable ones to have. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think there is some kind of like the vulnerability of talking about a broken relationship, whatever there is a vulnerability to being like, I'm sorry over and over again to like a hero of his for what he sees as like, homophobic or hateful behavior or whatever having said that you know the whole love the sinner hate the sin thing sucks big thumbs down <laughs> thumbs down big thumbs down um which is kind of and i think we've talked about this before too that like it's kind of like the difference between welcoming versus affirming like when right. churches make a big deal out of being yeah. like well all are welcome it's like well yeah of course like if you're a church that doesn't allow people in it like that's very unusual um but if you are like making the difference between like all are welcome, but like, actually we will celebrate you. That's, that feels different. So the like, you can get married here. You can right, serve right. in, in 
you know, board positions. You can sit on, you know, you can be a pastor here if you wanted to, you know, like right. it's, it, it's a big, it's a big distinction. And, uh, the love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, when you break it down, you hate the person. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. There's, there's no love if you are still hating because it's not who they it's, are. <laughs> yeah. Because if it's, it's their, it's their reality and identity and right. humanity. And so it's not, and so, so you're calling that entire part of them a sin and that you hate that part of them. Right. So yeah. and I'm sure, and I'm pretty sure that Reese has, distance yes, himself from he this. has which also adds like another interesting complicated layer because he's already looking back on a previous you know theological framework and calling it out and now today he's calling out that call out um and he's basically like you know he said he was ashamed of it um i, I saw in a 2014 blog post he said at the time i felt that what I felt I was doing the most honorable thing that I could, calling the church to the carpet on being homophobic. I thought that I could do so by pointing the finger at myself with my own homophobia. Um, but now he says he just sees it as arrogant and condemning. So, you know, shout out to that guy for like publicly processing his Oof. sort of um, like, I don't know, what did Obama call it? Like his evolving on the issue. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's a complicated thing. And I, of course, appreciate a major Christian act at the time trying to call it homophobia, even if struggling while doing it. If it um, was a swing and a miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it probably, for for some people, it probably was like, oh, yeah. like, oh yeah, this is great. This like, this is like toes the line and like I'm I'm on board with this. And it felt like, it probably for some people felt fairly progressive at the time, but you know, well, I'm, yeah. And from the other side of the coin, I bet there were people who were mad that he was even that sort of open yeah. about loving someone who's gay or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, then we'll, we'll have to, we'll get into between pavement and between stars and stars. Yeah. That has God hates flags. Right. Talks yep. About Westboro Baptist. So that's like, it's even more, Yeah. you know, so like here's a, here's this is a a longer conversation and a conversation that we've had many many times on the pod about about cancel culture like so if someone picks up all the hype money can buy and looks at the song and sees that Reese wrote love the sinner hate the sin and mm-hmm. you know it's like people didn't feel like you would go far enough or whatever. Like, I feel like in this, in this time when he wrote this album, if he had written this now, like he would probably be canceled and it'd be over. Like he is, I feel like five iron has spent their career. and Reese has spent his career being honest and wrestling and trying to be, like and he's done in my in my estimation he's evolved in the right in the right direction that mm-hmm. he's that he that some of the things he, and this is what we should all do <laughs> like we should all like right. keep trying to think and be better and you know like do like i almost hold i hold so very few of the same values as as that i did when i was younger i've changed a lot 
if somebody told me like, oh, I'm pretty much the same as I was when I was 16, <laughs> right. I'd be like, uh, yikes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just feel like this is a very public space that he has chosen to do these, this work. And, um, and I, and I, and I said this on the previous episode, but I admired the hell out of the guy and, um, it's, it takes guts. I think there's a lot on this album that takes guts. Yeah. I, um, I also wanted to shout out this whole thing with, um, Trey Pearson and the music festival. Uh, do you know about this? Have you guys I heard about not. this? <laughs> <laughs> um, Check out uh, John's 90s stand-up <laughs> comedy routine. Uh, did you guys hear about this? The Christian <laughs> Music Festival? Um, it's a very specific comedy audience I have there. Um, no, a few years ago, uh, there's this thing, Joshua Fest, uh, in California, Christian Music Festival. Um, this band, Everyday Sunday, was... Oh, that sounds familiar. ...going to play there, and the lead singer, Trey Pearson came out as gay um, right, before right, they right, were right, announced. Right. Yeah. We might've talked about this already um, as being um, at the festival. And then he said, I will be the first openly gay artist to ever play a major Christian festival. And after he did that, then they asked him not to play. <laughs> um, so yeah, so great. But what then happened was that five iron invited him on stage to play with them in their set, which it's awesome. So yeah. like, I mean, you know, I'm not saying like, and that solved <laughs> yeah. the problem of LGBTQ and the church, but like, it's pretty cool. If I no, but it's, like, but yeah. it's, it's allyship and that's yeah, what, right, right. and that's what our former denomination right. sucks at. Right. And right. they, 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 they love issuing statements about intentions and then, <laughs> right. Like, and it's all just fluff and bullshit. So, yeah. but like doing it a tangible thing is, is different than issuing some sort of press release or yeah. talking about a, a program that you want to launch or whatever. Right. Um, so Same. I think, I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. That was cool. Good for him. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so from Fahrenheit to 451, little mm. wordplay there. Uh, jokes. Okay, so I want to fast forward to um, 
uh, the bridge because I feel like that's He goes hard. Yeah, this is this is Reese's "fuck you" song. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, again, like they are not afraid to call out the Christian music industry, but saying you know can't tamper with the walls of their sterile Christian bubble. <laughs> like that's pretty direct and explicit. And like, yeah, man, that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board for yeah. th- this, and this is where I feel like. Man, this could have, if the music were, <laughs> yeah, the music know. is pretty boring. Yeah, I just, I just think that it, it could have been a really fiery, explosive record. Yeah, I agree. I he's doing like more questionable Rasta accent <laughs> in the verses. <laughs> yeah, and like not quite pulling it off. Shout out to Brad or Micah or whoever it is going oh, to the <laughs> Big time. Sup at the bass. That's basically what it sounds like. Slip at the bass. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds more like Borat. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big time. Yeah, big time. Big. Um, All right. Yeah, I don't, uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Lyrically on yes. board, musically, um, kind of a snoozer. Yep. All right. That's this my kind of talk, mister. Well, I heard that your steak could be sinking Deep into the Friday thing And although the country got you thinking About leaving California There's lots and there's clubs and it's smoggy Toxic waste on Yonder Beach And all of them hippies down to Santa Cruz Starting to suck just like a leech hey, You're sick of such a serpent You've had all the food you can take Well look me here, time to waste it You just moved to the Sedanian Uh, <laughs> this sounds it's pretty fun. It's my number three. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I think it's super fun. <laughs> there, I don't know who's singing during the course. If it's just research, <laughs> there's some somebody's doing like like a Michigan J Frog thing. <laughs> I think it's Reese. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when he would like come up and be like, it's the WB or whatever. Like, yeah. Before it's shows. The WB. <laughs> um, yeah. This is, this became a live staple of theirs. And uh, I think I got to know the song mainly through shows. Cause I was like, again, wasn't listening to this album a ton, but I got to know this one really well. Yeah. Um, 
it's just a lot of fun. Ska into it. He does an impressive yodel. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that guy. Um, Let me see if I can. Uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly, Micah does That this. is Micah, yeah. yes. If you got a boil, you can pick it. Get out of my yard and give me my chicken. Yep. Love it. That dude. Yep. He can sing. He can sing. He's got them pipes, though. He got them pipes. Also, we should say, when they say, here's Val from the W's, Hi. <laughs> um, that yeah. he always changes those lyrics uh, at live shows as well. Yeah. Anyway. Um, because the W's. <laughs> right, yeah. Don't want to talk about them anymore. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> that, I mean, of all the things that didn't stand up well, <laughs> i do like that he's just like hi yeah <laughs> and now in the audience everybody's like hi during that part yeah. anyway now uh the uh tom waits cut on the record <laughs> yes Ooh. no this is not, not tom waits is giants tom waits is giants yeah this is something else weird <laughs> yeah this is i'll save my take <laughs> saying it's boring and sleepy yes i think it's interesting it's a it's a weird one it's (sighs) (laughs) i don't know there's just i think i i personally have a um a negative reaction to the lyrics of the song just Mm. um that feeling shitty and being a failure and feeling lonely and crying out to God for just any sort of relief yeah, <laughs> has just historically been um, a negative experience for me. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think this gets back a little bit to sort of the reformed uh, theology that we were referencing last week where it's like, yeah, I am a failure defeated every time just this like, you know, yeah. your garbage and yep. you need God to pull out of that. But I will say kind of getting back to this theme of being vulnerable on the album I and mean, having a chorus that says, I am so lonely. They say you were lonely too. 
dear God, be my savior. I wait for you. I mean, that's, I think that's pretty powerful. I don't know. I, I, he's like, he's really in a dark place. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he, uh, Reese told HM Magazine at the time of the album, it's probably the most depressing song you'll ever hear from us, which, uh, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. And uh, the Spanish at the beginning, yeah. according to Google Translate, is I still wait for a miracle, I still wait for you. Right. Which, uh, it's another big swing <laughs> coming out with some uh, kind of heavily r-rolling spanish at the beginning but i think it's cool you know it's got kind of that latin flavor so that makes a little bit of sense um, yeah. i don't know i like the idea that he's like it's not like a praise song where it's like you always pick me up it's like i'm still waiting for you to get involved in my life and i need help right now i don't know it's interesting um i like that they're trying something different again uh and scott gets a writing credit on this one which is interesting i wouldn't uh have necessarily expected this to be the one on the album that he helped out with. So, anywho, anywho, hurricanes, <laughs> hurricanes, onto giants. This is the uh, <laughs> this is our boy Tom Waits. Time to go to the carnival. <laughs> Who's gonna show up in a second here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, sounds familiar. <laughs> It really sounds like him. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> it does. So, are you saying that like Reese, Reese is the Phantom I Cackler? Think, I think yeah. If this is Reese laughing here, which I'm pretty sure it is, I think Reese might have been the Phantom Cackler the whole time. Reese hit this, us up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Crack this thing open. <laughs> <laughs> so similar. This is a very interesting and fun song. I yes. feel like um, the more I listen to this one, the more it works. Totally. Um, there is a song on here. I can't remember which one it is. I think I, it might be all the hype, but um, mm. I want to get to the end of, of Giants where the it becomes a little bit more <laughs> epic. Yeah.
Do you, do you get the sense that this is like, to me, this kind of has like an anti-capitalist kind of bent to it. For sure. I think it's like, you know, corporate giants. Yeah. Um, I mean, the house taking over the world. The house is haunted by the ghost of Adam Smith. <laughs> when you, when you get a creepy little girl to come do a spoken word part referencing <laughs> Adam Smith haunting you, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're doing like a, yeah. a screed on, uh, the ills of capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Late stage capitalism. Right. Yeah. And I got to shout out the, those, uh, lyrics we just heard in that second chorus there. They're very metal. See yeah. the blood red sun is rising on the broken carnage of the darkest days. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like the whole theme of giants the, locked together right. arm in arm, pushing all the meek out of the way. Yeah. Very much the, the corporate greed. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, this song is weird. And, the first, I would like, like to see Tom Waits cover it. Giants <laughs> <laughs> pushed out of the way. <laughs> pushed the meek out of the um, way. <laughs> it would not be a stretch. Who's behind the curtain anyway? Who pulls the levers and tells the lies? Who's behind that curtain anyway? Um <laughs> <laughs> we could do this literally all day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, we need, I want more. What's he building in there? References. <laughs> yes, yes, please. The people demand it. Um, I, yeah. The first couple times I listened, I was like, it's interesting, but why did they record it this way? <laughs> like the snare is so like the drum sound and the guitar is super weird. I get that. It's supposed to be like creepy and scary, but I was like yeah. the chorus itself is pretty straightforward, but they did it in this weird way. And then by the time it gets to like, yeah, the epic, like operatic singing and little girls. and I'm kind of like, I don't know if this fully clicks together, but like, I certainly admire that they're doing this like insane rock opera, weird yeah. carnival thing in the middle of the album, calling out capitalism. Like it's, I'm it's pretty it. awesome. I'm pretty into um, it. I feel I a mean, little this bit. Would, this probably could be like, either like my four or you know i would i don't know like you probably should move here and giants are probably like sure my fours and fives i don't know they're they're those are those are songs that i i enjoy but like i would definitely rock out with the phantom mullet um before you know maybe you know you probably should move here but yeah, um, by the way, I'm looking up uh, set lists, and you're right. They haven't played it live since, like, 2013. So I am guess I'm, I'm remembering those reunion shows and not the recent ones. But bring Phantom Mullet back, guys. Um, I'm saying. Yeah, I kind of think uh, of Giants as um, Five Irons, uh, MXPX, uh, Christmas, Gimme Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> where the first time around, I'm like, what is this? This is a misfire. And then by the end, I'm like, is this the best song on the album? <laughs> so like, is this the best MXPX song? <laughs> diamonds. Uh, diamonds. Yeah. Diamonds yeah. is not that far away from like, who's B? Like, I don't know. I'm just on board that they're like going for it. And now yeah. I like kind of can't get enough of it. So yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, we also uh, haven't listened to some of the covers that you you sent maybe should we just cover those at the end oh yeah sure sure we'll do that all right i mean we we got this uh this banger here (laughs) pumpernickel
classic uh, short songs for short people <laughs> type yep. type yeah. track. Uh, I mean, they got to they got to throw in like a short joke track in there somewhere. I suppose. Um, I mean, it's, it's not no, even really a joke. It's just like a punk uh, banger and just get it done real quick. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who Mary and Larry are, but <laughs> yeah, whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing, it's, it's working for me. It's yep. <laughs> uh, this is not. <laughs> okay. Um, this, this song is really hard to listen to. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like if um, Five Iron and like some 41 wrote a song together. <laughs> yes, that is correct. In the beginning, Hard pass. Hard pass. Uh, that's all the hype. It's my least favorite song on this album. Um, I don't know. I I guess it's supposed to kind of be a joke, but it's also not. I mean, I get what um, what Jason was saying about like being turned off by Reese doing the verses in One Girl Army, like rapping, but that doesn't bother me. That like, right. I'm fine with this feels like he's like, winking and putting on an act or something and I'm just have like you so have you listened ever listened to brave saint saturn yes um and we will discuss them okay because uh uh his so so the album so far from home has a, a song on it called shadow of death yeah. which is also a white boy rap song and yeah. um i like that song a little bit more more than this but there's but then there's there's a part on here that does have a brave saint saturn feel to me this part yes i don't mind this And then it's a hard turn back into <laughs> white boy hip hop and yeah, just, turntables. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know that like the record scratches and stuff are very on brand for 2000 and yeah. maybe it's sort of winky and jokey, but I'm like, I just, I can't get on board. <laughs> so maybe they're doing this part of like, 
you know, look, they want us to be these big um, uh, personalities and that like, sure. Yeah. Like talk about like how amazing we are and that we're going to sell all these records. And then the, uh, the bridge is like, it's not true. We're the same. We are the same kind we are the same people. And, you know, and so then, so that to me is like the core of like what they're trying to say, like, like they can hype us up all we want, but we're really, we're no different than you guys. And, and I feel like this message and the bridge gets swallowed up by the rest of the noise of the song. Yeah. And I think they're trying to say like, you know, playing into the, all the hype idea by kind of being like mocking what that might sound like for them to really become sell out. Like, I don't yeah. know, kind of like making fun of that whole idea, but it doesn't really I work. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we need to listen to this song? <laughs> Not very much of it. I wonder if he chose this song because of his emo phase post Christie. <laughs> yeah, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I He's mean, like, but when I see you hanging out, you know, right, 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 you know, it's it's such a crime. Yeah, maybe. It. I mean, okay. Here's what I said last week when I made the very controversy laden choice yeah. to make it my number three for the right. proof. I don't need this on the regular album. I said that then. <laughs> like, I think it's fine and fun as a live cover. Right. It's weird here. And yeah. it almost feels like it should have been on a soundtrack. Again, like if it was in a comedy circa 2000, that makes sense. Yeah. And like, maybe it goes on this album because it was like, you know, from that movie or whatever. But like, just to have it is, it is unusual, frankly. But uh, did you guys see this? You see this? Uh, <laughs> see this? It's not unusual song over here. <laughs> uh, also, he's a uh, Todd Glass over here <laughs> at the end of the song because he's shouting for more reverb. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. When does he say more reverb <laughs> at the no, very end? There it is. <laughs> so silly. Uh, Todd Glass over here. <laughs> okay. Uh, almost done with this record. <laughs> this opening rules. So good. Elation, jubilation beams from her face. Did the heart. 
This is a curious song to bury on track uh, 14. Totally agree. It's my number one. Yep. <clears throat> um, and it should be the first song on the album. That's yeah. partly why I was like, maybe the greatest story should have been last and world without yeah, end is this fine. Was, but this like, was when yeah. I was talking about like that. I think another song could be number one. This was right, my right, other, right. <clears throat> the, the first song. Um, so I, I like this. I like this song. Um, I think it, the song struggles with the verses a lot. I don't, yeah. I think it, the Reese's Reese's, singing and delivery i just don't think it's a it, the verses are very strong but like everything else the the new hope whoa it yeah. sounds awesome the yeah. the 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 opening guitar and like bass and horns it all sounds great and then the verses just fall super flat for me hmm. yeah i can see that um i think yeah i think it's the chorus that really does it and that great horn part in the intro yeah. um and then the bridge I really love too. The peace fills us by hope we steer. Um, yeah, it's another like great build up. Bass sounds great. So good. That really works for me. <laughs> yeah, I love I love a five iron buildup. Um, yes, I will say I kind of remember this is my favorite. It still is, I think. Um, you know, we talked last episode a little bit about how because this is on the live album too. The message is a little bit on the verge of guns don't kill people, people kill people. <laughs> yeah, um, which is a bummer. Although I think it's trying for something deeper and more philosophical than that um but you know basically like what makes you know humanity do these dark deeds um which is a, a something worth asking but i'm also like well it's guns <laughs> you know what i mean right like, right for me i kind of wish that he would go after say the gun industry with the same vitriol that he goes after uh, corporations or whatever but right. i don't know i i still see the point like the, the overall wrestling of like what do you do in the face of such darkness um so anyway i i still really like the song i was a little bit like not surprised to see that it was my number one but um i, I don't know like you said i do like these top three i'm not like absolutely in love with them <laughs> so it's not like right. it was like well obviously that's my number one because it's the greatest song ever it's like i like i like the song <laughs> so right yeah anyway i i agree um that's why i was saying that it, this isn't our newest album ever where it's like, oh man, banger on banger on banger. Yeah. Um, and then there's this. Lies that fear thinks no one's ever 
this would be one of those instances where I think where where Jason had talked about like yes tempo shifting a hundred percent and it's just like you're going like through this like slow jammy chorus and then uh-huh. back to sort of like you know carnival music <laughs> it's really weird I mean yeah. in a lot of ways it's their classic worship album closer um the chorus feels almost like typical ccm praise song of the time like i'm not i'm not opposed to it but it's just kind of like you know especially when they at the very end when they bring in like the choir to sing it it just yeah those like um you know the the chord progression is yeah but it's it was also it it takes me back to like um in college when like all the instruments would cut out and it would just be the voices in the chapel or something right, like right, that. Right. And it's yeah. just like, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's not powerful. No. It, I think it gets to what we were saying of like, that's kind of manipulative. <laughs> like the chorus, the chords go in a way you expect a praise song to go dropping out to have just the voices is like, happens in the way you expect it yeah i don't know it's fine but like and then the rest like the intro and the verses are like much more musically interesting but like this crazy fast ska song and then it slows down for like a pretty typical ccm worship song it's a really interesting in keeping with the rest of the album very interesting and weird kind of mashing together of things um and i do think that the like you know treating it as a praise song is effective but it's not as effective as every new day which it's kind of trying to get back into that world which they do a couple more times over the next couple albums just like getting trying to sort of enter in that realm again um anyway i don't know it's it's an interesting one i'm kind of into it kind of like not into aspects of it but anyway that's uh that's all the hype the money can buy (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see. I thought sort of my top three were like sort of obvious sort of like singles from the album, like the most obvious ones. So I had New Hope, Phantom Mullet, You Probably yeah. Shouldn't Move Here. You had Greatest Story, Ugly Day, Phantom Mullet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of... Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> these covers over here. Yeah, let's try and do some covers over here. Let's uh, listen to a guy do a cover of World Without End on acoustic. So this is like very much... Um, just evidence that the song very easily translate into a straight ahead praise and worship song definitely see somebody leading it exactly like this in like a you know yep. college worship type setting and everybody singing along and it's a pretty song like it works it's just like yeah 
I don't know. This one is, this is not pretty. This, <laughs> uh, it's ugly. Ugly day. Cover. It's kind of got like a Joy Electric vibe. There's like some kind of synthy stuff happening. It's not bad. There's some things. There, you're right. Things are happening. <laughs> things are <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, he's he's got these like um, uh, like affected vocals on the chorus right. that yeah. are just like. Uh, but he also like 2000s. he also record recorded like half of the song. <laughs> yeah, I think he says even in the description, it's like a sketch of a cover, you know, so I don't want to shit on this guy too okay. much, but like, I do think, um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. Let's see uh, what anti, anti-proton uh, on, on on YouTube. Mm, little Beatles. <laughs> and um, that's... Some sort of Alvin and the Chipmunks, something... <laughs> Anyway, shout out to Anti-Proton. Oh, 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 Jesus. <laughs> uh, s- send us and, your All the Hype era covers. And let's see if this, this guy calls himself All the Hype. All the Hype. Um, White but, Owl. But he, yeah, he's not uploaded. Um, so you know what? There was... <laughs> I remember there was when I, I had forgotten to do this, I think maybe in our first episode, but there was a guy who was like right after five iron said they were coming back. This guy's like, I'm going to cover every five iron song. And then he did like two songs. Mm, it's kind of like Sufjan saying he was going to do all 50 States. Yep. And then only doing two. <laughs> no, he did. He did. Uh, he did Michigan and he did Illinois. Is did he only do Michigan and Illinois? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> fail yeah i don't think he ever really meant to do it i think it was a joke but anyway yeah. well let's find that guy and get him on the pod um <laughs> well let us know what you think of this very interesting complicated album over at instagram twitter and facebook um you can rate and review us go ahead and smash that subscribe button which helps us out wherever you get your podcasts uh let us know your thoughts at magnifiedpod at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 872-762-4763, 877-MAGPOD for the voicemails. We don't need to only hear from the Dannys. <laughs> Thank you, Dannys, for your support. But yes, it's true. We love to hear some <laughs> non-Danny voices to mix it up occasionally. Um, if you would like to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. John, do you see my my dope hoodie that i'm wearing i do see that dope hoodie i gotta say it looks pretty good guys yeah it is a magnified pod um hoodie that we sell over at our at our store that's true even after many washings and many wears 
it's still quite soft and the logo still looks great it looks good man they really printed it on there well so yep right over the zipper too so it doesn't even um still staying pretty legit so we're gonna have to get some new logo uh stuff up on merch yeah eventually but um if you want some of our uh og logo stuff we we have those ready to go Yep, that's at magnifiedpod.storenv.com. Thanks to our shadow producer, who you heard earlier, Jason from Run Original Vinyl. And thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Lurie for our artwork. Well, time is winding down, but only for this episode. We want you to be found enjoying the next episode when we'll cover Five Iron Frenzy 2, Electric Boogaloo. Crossover we need. Four tosses and abortions and panicking looking at mannequins and fanakin. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs>